Welcome to episode 529 of South Pseudo Paranormal. And tonight I am continuing my review of the complete books of Charles Fort. As always, you can find all episodes of the show along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page. And that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S-A-L-S-I-D-O, paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. Thank you all for listening, whether you are here for the live streams on Discord, or if you listen to the uh, podcast or YouTube feeds, or if you listen on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting, there you can hear replays of two episodes of the show every night uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before um, Trouble Minds Radio comes on. And as always, I'd like to thank... Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, host of the Exile Minds podcast, for producing these shows and putting them up on the station uh, as you hear them with all the music and everything. So um, I think that covers all of that. If you if you want to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. You can always share the show with others and rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, you can always um, find my uh, Logan. My cat is just deciding to run around the apartment now. Um, but you can always um, find books I've written, paranormal fiction and nonfiction, over on Amazon. Also, I have a Patreon page where you can find, um, starting as of officially last month, technically, um, one extra True Paranormal Stories from the Web episode per month. And that's for all membership tier levels. And that's another way to support the show if you want to do that through um, donations. Or you can just make a one-time donation through PayPal. And of course, um, help is never expected, but always appreciated, as there are expenses in making these shows uh, from equipment, uh, because it will break down every once in a while, uh, to research materials, to travel expenses in some cases. And um, so, like I said, that's um, those are all the different ways to help out, and I appreciate that. I think that takes care of that. So we're going to be, um, this is again, the, the review of the complete books of Charles Fort. We're going to be finishing the third of the of the four books tonight, because um, there's only three chapters left in it, and that is, of course, low, L-O exclamation mark. So we'll get right to that, and then we'll be starting the last of the books, which is um, Wild Talents. So I was not aware of this until I checked out everything tonight um, before I started here. So let's get to that, and uh, we'll go from there. And thank you all for those of you who are able to be here for these live shows. And I never expect it, but um, it's always nice to have an audience, a live audience. So um, this is, again, from part three of Low, L-O exclamation mark. And this is chapter 30. This chapter discusses oh, – I, I always like to mention – I um. I use AI to summarize these chapters to um, get through them a little faster and uh, just to sort of help streamline everything. And so I get summaries and then I sort of 
talk about the thoughts from the summaries, my thoughts from the summaries and everything. So that is how this works um, for anyone who maybe has not been listening to these episodes before yet. So um, this is chapter 30. And this chapter uh, discusses the opposing views that the Earth is uh, stationary versus that it moves uh, swiftly. Fort believes neither view is entirely correct. That's a neat idea. And that the truth uh, likely lies somewhere in the middle. Um, Again, this is um, over 100 years ago, or just about 100 years ago. So just keep that in mind with all this, um, as always. Uh, Fort proposes a compromise, compromise view where the Earth has slight movements, but always stays in one, largely always stays in one place, um, rotating approximately once per year, and uh, within a um, revolving starry shell not too far away. So, um, Charles Fort cites dark nebula, nebulas, or nebulae, and the horsehead nebula as potential visual evidence of land formations in the sky. That's amazing. Um, enclosing the Earth. Uh, variable stars with yearly periods may also suggest the Earth is uh, fairly stationary. So again, this is stuff that, I mean, mainstream science has really um, sort of explained away as, no, that the, Earth, the planet does move, everything basically moves. So, but just keep in mind, this is all from that long ago, and he is, no matter what else is going on here, Fort is trying to figure things out and going with ideas that um, are not uh, not common, or not at least not uh, heard of a lot in those times, I believe. Um, so, uh, the chapter suggests there may be fewer stars than thought, with many lights instead being reflections off the shell around the Earth. Uh, Celestial lakes could explain some variable star phenomena. Uh, Charles Fort criticizes professionals, experts for, uh, slash experts for clinging to the system and um, not considering alternative views. Uh, Says tales of celestial catastrophes become uh, depopularized with technical jargon. And so, in summary, the text puts forth an unconventional view of a quasi-stationary Earth enclosed in a relatively nearby celestial shell and criticizes the scientific establishment and cites various astronomical observations in support. So that's that chapter. Um, And again, I already went over that, so anyway. Um, this is chapter 31 here, and this chapter discusses uh, astronomical observations and phenomena, including new stars, eclipses, and meteor sightings. Uh, it highlights errors and discrepancies between predict- predictions made by professional astronomers and uh, versus observations by amateurs. Uh, Charles Fort questions the vast distances to stars uh, assumed by orthodox uh, astronomy, 
arguing stars may be located in a shell surrounding the Earth that is not enormously far away. He cites uh, novae as far as, uh, and that means, of course, multiple novas, nova, uh, and changes in star position as evidence distances are not as vast as claimed. Uh, the text, the chapter suggests links between astronomical phenomena like new stars and terrestrial events like earthquakes. Um, think back to the last episode that we did, suggesting the Earth and surrounding uh, cosmos may comprise an interconnected organism or a system. And that, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something to that. Um, Charles Fort contends mathematicians dominating astronomy are inertia to new ideas and data. I don't know if that's a type or a mistake or not. But anyway, uh, Fort advocates challenging orthodox views and consider, considering alternative perspectives, such as stars being volcanic eruptions in a nearby celestial land. Uh, the text highlights past astronomical predictions, later proven inaccurate, uh, and criticizes the uh, inattention of official observatories who make astronomical events, I'm sorry, who miss, there we go, astronomical events noticed by amateurs. And it questions no on notions like companion stars. Um, so, and, uh, I think that's, I'll do it for that chapter. I think I'm going to stop reading these. They're sort of like chapter summaries at the end of each, each summary. So I think I'm going to start, stop reading those. I think they basically go over everything that I already went over. Um, so moving on to this last chapter, and then I'll check on, uh, chat here in a moment. Um, chapter 32. This chapter discusses the possibility that the earth is stationary rather than moving through space, it presents various evidence that seems to support the idea of a stationary Earth, such as luminous night clouds that do not appear to move as they should, in quotation marks there, if the Earth is rotating. Um, the chapter argues the idea of space surrounding the Earth being intensely odd, I'm sorry, cold, I don't know how I missed that, missed that. Uh, may be incorrect, citing reports of warmer temperatures at high altitudes. It suggests there could be warm conditions not too far away from Earth's surface. Um, the chapter references experiments with weather balloons and ob observations uh, of meteor trains. Never heard of that term before that indicate uh, more moderate temperatures and conditions between 30 to 50 miles up from the Earth's surface. Uh, it mentions research into radio wave deflections that suggest some kind of shell-like formation or ionized zone surrounding the Earth not too far away. Uh, the text argues that this could be interpreted as evidence for a stationary Earth, of course. Um, so that seems to be that chapter. And um, 
I will say that reminds me. I wonder if they're if that's they're talking about. I believe it's the ionosphere. Um, I've heard that term before. I think. I wonder if maybe that was discovered later, uh, and and so that's why. Um, that's why he's sort of mentioning that. Yeah, I I I, I was wondering about that as well. It seems like um, so PDG in the chat says there says he was definitely a flat Earth. Uh, into flat earth. It seems like it, or at least very, um, yeah, some different ideas anyway, if nothing else. So, um, but anyway, uh, that's that chapter and that's that book. So, uh, pretty amazing book overall, just with the teleportation things and all that. Um, I sort of get what, why he, in a way, I guess it, it would make it easier to maybe try to d explain other things with the idea of a stationary object. Um, I don't think that's, again, I've said that before, I, I don't think that's necessary for strange things to happen, obviously, but um, I think that a lot of his other points, just about possible connections with other, other objects in space and stars and other things, um, they seem possible. And um, when it comes to other events that are here on Earth being sort of somehow connected with events out there and uh, um, uh, with stars and other objects in space. So, uh, so yeah, that's that book. And now we'll get on to the last of the books, which is Wild Talents. And get through a, a few chapters there before we uh, end this episode. So, um, this is chapter one. This chapter uh, discusses three mysterious cases that involve strange coincidences and unclear motives. First one is the case of Emma Pigott, P-I-G-G-O-T-T, a housemaid who was accused of arson and theft in the home where she worked. She admitted to the thefts, oh, wonderful, but denied setting the fires. The charges were complex and coincidental. The um, thefts covered up, I'm sorry, the thefts were covered up by the fires, apparently, but there was no definite evidence linking her to the fires, so that charge was dropped. So I guess that this is just talking about, <coughs> excuse me, um, spontaneous fires starting in a home. And I think I know what he's starting to get at here. But maybe we'll leave that and see if he mentions it directly um, in, in the text here. This second case um, is the disappearance of Ambrose Small, a wealthy Canadian businessman who vanished from his office, leaving over, wow, one million behind. That's, and if this is over or close to 100 years ago, that's a lot of money. Uh, his secretary, jo John Doty, 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 I'm not sure, uh, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y, later disappeared as well. Um, he was found to have embezzled bonds, uh, but the accusation he abducted Small uh, failed. So the idea that he maybe kidnapped his boss, did not, that did not pan out. Um, it says the, the third case is here. Case here is the death of Henry Arthur Chappelle, 
um, outside a theater in London, uh, a former employee, Rose Smith, had threatened him and seemed linked to the case, but was cleared when it was confirmed she was in prison at the time, um, at the time of his death. The motive and cause of his death remained uh, unclear. In each case, it says here, mysterious circumstances coincided in an unexplained way uh, with unclear motives, uh, but accusations and assumptions about motives ultimately failed due to the lack of evidence. Now, I don't know about the case with the mysterious death and that that last one, but with the disappearances and the fires, of course, that makes me think of just paranormal things. And um, so the first one, now I have heard of fires starting in places spontaneously. Um, and it's, sometimes it's linked to people, maybe their own energy sort of leaking out um, or other entities tapping into that energy to, to um, start fires. So that seems like a possibility there. And then, of course, the second case, possibly a um, some kind of a teleportation uh, situation going on there. So, um, so yeah, I, but definitely those first two seem odd, um, even more than the third case there. So that's the first chapter. Um, chapter two. Let's see here. Yeah, let's scroll down. Oh, okay. Let me see. Okay, yep, that's it. All right. So chapter two. Uh, this chapter continues to discuss strange coincidences and mysterious cases, uh, questioning if some coincidences may actually have deeper connections. It mentions the case of two women who uh, drowned in the same river on the same day, despite not knowing each other, and two dead men found in a desert with no known link between them. Uh, several more cases are listed of odd uh, coincidences around deaths and bodies being discovered, such as three relatives all losing the same arm in accidents. That's odd. Or names of murderers matching the place the murder occurred. Uh, Charles Fort questions if the disappearance of Ambrose Bierce, I think that we may have to do a, a show on that later at some point, uh, could have somehow influenced or inspired the later disappearance of the wealthy Ambrose Small through a suggestion, even if no physical abduction occurred. Um, so I think what he's starting to talk about here, oops, that chapter's not done. Uh, hang on here. Uh, the chapter argues that coincidences may not truly exist from an underlying metaphysical unity and that any two circumstances can be related through intermediate connections. And it questions a sharp distinction between the physical and non-physical. Uh, overall, continues to explain, uh, explore, I'm sorry, strange seemingly coincidental uh, relations between events, deaths, disappearances, and 
um, corpses found questioning deeper and obscure connections between that are between them. So that is the end of that chapter. Um, we may have to do a show on Amb- Ambrose Bierce at some point because Fort keeps bringing him up, and I've heard the name before about that particular author, I believe, vanishing. Um, so in a strange way. Uh, proof of magic, PDG in the chat says, maybe, possibly. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking of, I've heard reports of places that seem to be um, sort of places that draw in negative energies and experiences and events, um, and positive ones too, but in this case, in that chapter, I think um, for us focusing more on the the negative, sort of the, the sad, the sadder cases there. Um, and it could be connected, those two, magic and that could be connected, or it could just be, I wonder about that sometimes with, um, with events that happen, do they leave energies that can maybe then cause more similar events in a place to happen? So let's try to get through one more chapter here before this episode has to end. Um, so this is chapter, uh, chapter three. Uh, the text discusses a variety of strange occurrences and mysterious attacks afflicting pe- uh, groups of people. Uh, several cases are, re- are recounted of incidents leading to mass fainting or hysteria, such as at a girls' school or a wedding party. These are often explained as uh, mass psychology. Other cases detail people mysteriously dropping unconscious in streets. Or public places. Explanations like gas leaks are considered, but then rejected when uh, no gas or other cause is found. Uh, the text questions if some cases could uh, re- could represent purposeful attacks from an unknown force or uh, hatred. So basically, again, energies and entities and things like that. Stories are shared like. Um, Miners found dead in a mine with no gas present. Uh, a sailor or a sailor suddenly receiving an unexplained head wound. Um, the connecting thread is the lack of rational explanations for these uh, these collective of these collection or collective or individual afflictions. There we go. The text argues they emerge from the dark of a uh, coal mine or other eerie settings defying conventional explanations like coincidence or mass hysteria. An unseen force or deadly discharge is suggested able to target groups or individuals for mysterious harm. So um, so that's where that chapter ends. I'm glad that ended there because we're almost out of time. Um, yeah, sort of, I think it's sort of, we've already been talking about this. I think um, he's he's on on the mark there, possibly. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's going to do it for those chapters for this episode. We'll continue that for the next one here. Um, just a reminder, please, um, when you, whenever you listen to previous episodes and there's links, and there's always links to um, certain friends of the show, but any old episodes, if you... Uh, there are other links to other friends who have been on the show. Please check those out and uh, support everyone that has helped with this show. And um, thank you all for listening.
And I will talk to you all on the next episode of Salcedo Paranormal. Take care.